Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Jem Hadar, and things oh. to episode 69 nice. of the Muppet Trek podcast. I gave it a little extra sass. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, I'm Steve. Oh, cool. Who's this guy? I'm Jarman, and uh, we're here to compare and contrast and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. We've been doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppets Show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Sylvester Stallone and Star Trek oh, original oh. series episode, Elan of Troyes. Ooh, I'm very excited. It's good stuff. Yeah. But before we get to it, German, do we have any feedback this week? We sure do. Uh, we got an email from uh, Crazy Joe over at Megapodtastic, and I think uh, they had an interaction with us on Twitter hey, a while Crazy back. Hey, Crazy Joe. Hey, hey, Crazy Joe. So he says, uh, I just listened to Muppet Trek number 64, and I have to correct All you. Right. He oh, says, <laughs> John Lormer, who played the old man in For the World is Hollow When I Have Touched the Sky, did, okay. did not play Dr. Philip Boyce, the doctor who made Pike a drink in the cage. Uh, Dr. Boyce is played by John Hoyt. Hoyt is probably best remembered to 80s kids for his role as Grandpa Kaninsky on TV's Give Me a Break. Um, and also, wow. before I read the rest of the email, I did just look it up, and you're right. Um, but I was kind of right in a way because John Lormer, the old man in that episode, was in the cage. I was, he was the wrong person I thought of. He was the old man on the planet. Um, who was one of the survivors, and he was there with the the pretty w- young woman. He was uh, one of those people. So he was in the episode. I just, he wasn't the doctor, so you're absolutely correct. Um, he says, also, Ted Danson's wife is Mary Steenburgen. So if we're going to connect Ted Danson to Star Trek, we cannot forget that Danson's wife's ex-husband was the man who k- killed Captain Kirk, Malcolm McDowell, in uh, Star Trek Generations. Wow. So that's a good connection there. That was a Hardcore. Good, yeah. Hardcore. From well, thanks. Megapodtastic. And Crazy Joe. Crazy Joe. Feel free to reach out anytime. And we, we will, you'll probably won't hear this for a while after you sent that email. So I'll email you back saying, hey, just keep listening. We'll respond to your thing on, on the We're air. We're not being jerks. We're just ahead of schedule for once. That's good. I like being ahead of schedule. It's so, good. Steve, tell us about who is this guy, Sylvester Stalin? <laughs> Sylvester Sturer. <laughs> uh, American actor, director, and writer who came onto the map with the movie Rocky and has since become an action movie icon with films like Rambo and The Expendables. Mm-hmm. But what does our audience know him from? This is one of the few people on this show that is still incredibly relevant. And famous. So everybody probably knows who Sylvester Stallone is. I wouldn't say he's relevant anymore, but he's very, everyone knows who he is. <laughs> he still puts out like six movies a year. <laughs> does still he? doing stuff. Yeah. He's still taking that human growth hormone. He's out there <laughs> doing his best. It's, it's made for badgers. Ooh, and and my muscles. My muscles love it. it goes down sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but what's he doing this week on the Muppet Show? Uh, well, backstage, it's all about what a big star and hunk Sylvester Stallone is. Scooter has sold tickets to groupies who annoy Kermit and plague the backstage. And Link Hogthrob and Sylvester sit in the dressing room and commiserate about being heartthrobs. <laughs> on stage this week, Stallone groupies inundate the stage with Kermit while Kermit introduces a Hawaiian opening number. Parrots and pigs sing the Hawaiian war chant. 
and I f- uh, feel like we get a little preview of Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, uh, yeah. Just in this one little sketch. Uh, Kermit introduces Sylvester in a gladiatorial ring where he faces a lion, but they sing, let's call the whole thing off as they fight and bite one another. <laughs> Up next, we have uh, Otto, the automatic entertainer, a haphazard joke-telling robot who blows his top as he attempts to perform. Following this, we have Floyd Zoot and Dr. Teeth. They perform the jazzy tune, Oh Lady Be Good. And it's jazzy. Jazzy. Beauregard joins the band for the William Tell Overture uh, before having an apple shot off his head with a cello bow. bow. We then go to Veterinarian's Hospital, finally something familiar, uh, where the patient is a Hawaiian pig from earlier. And instead of pig jokes, they make Hawaii jokes, which was surprising. (laughs) Fozzie hits the stage with his first ever magic act. He plants a salsa one in half. They put Otto, the robot, in, and Fozzie makes him explode and electrocutes himself. (laughs) Finally, we get Stallone in an old-timey talk-singing bird-in-a-gilded-cage music number about uh, a man who, a woman who married for money and instead of love and basically ends up like a bird in a cage. Bird in a cage. Kermit thanks Sylvester Stallone one final time. The punching bag comes out for one final hit, and that is what we call the Muppet Show. That's right. Uh, and I liked the ending here. Something to note. Kermit says, we'll see you next time on The Muppet Show. You've been a wonderful laugh track. Oh, if I didn't notice that. <laughs> I had to rewind it. So what? What was just said? That's really funny, actually. <laughs> so, Dermot, what did you think of Sylvester Stallone on this week's episode of The Muppet Show? So I actually just happened to notice this little cool piece of trivia that um, apparently this episode was used for a scene in Rocky 3 to illustrate the celebrity of the Rocky character, like since that you had last seen him. And the, oh. the opening was redubbed by Jim Henson so that Kermit says the guest star was Rocky Balboa instead of Stallone, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, but overall, I have to say I thought it, I was expecting much worse because Steve and I have mentioned on the podcast before, whenever we have a guest who is very well known and famous, it's usually not very it's good. Really typically bad. <laughs> yeah, like real bad. Um, and then people we never heard of are like really fun and interesting. Um, but this wasn't too bad. It was just like there's not much he can do besides his kind of movies. So I'm so he, he did some things that he could do. He tried some talk singing, which was interesting. <laughs> um, the, the uh, fight with the lion was a little cringy and strange. Like they didn't rehearse it very much or something. Yeah. It's like, they just didn't have enough content. Yeah. And like, he wasn't matching his dance moves with the, the lion. Like his feet were going the wrong direction sometimes. And I was like, they didn't rehearse this very much. Did they? <laughs> um, I didn't have time. Yeah. And this is relatively close post Rocky. If I remember correctly, this is this came out right before Rocky Two. Yeah, it Rocky, was like he yeah. just came out basically. Um, yeah, but it's uh, huge. Otherwise, I thought the bits were pretty good and funny, and you know, I don't know. Was, what, what about you? Uh, I think they used him strategically. Right. You know, they based the background, the backstage plot around him just being a hunky heartthrob of the time. Yeah. So you get like the groupies plot and Link Hogthrop going to his dressing room that that filled that nicely. And then they put him in a talk sing number where he's not expected to be very good at the beginning. And his only other number, he's buried in Muppets. And so he was singing like, parts of it, but you couldn't hear him too much because they were singing right, with, they, with they him. They were smart to just surround him with voices. Right. So they used him strategically. That was very well done in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is not bottom of the barrel. This is no Florence Henderson. 
Yeah, not at all. And he, I think not he at was all. he was good with the Muppets too. Surprisingly, like he took the conceit well. He wasn't like you know laughing to himself that he's even doing this. He didn't seem like he was bored. And um, you seem like yeah, like maybe if it was like ten years later and he was super super famous, he would have been terrible. But I think since he was yeah. just now famous, it made yeah, he it kind was of still okay. fresh. Yeah, he's still fresh. It's crazy. So yeah, middle. I think middle of the road episode, but not, not I, bad. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Very nice. Uh, music this week. Well, you got the Hawaiian war chant. Original melody and lyrics were written in the 1960s by a Hawaiian prince. God forgive me. Lelahoku, the second of the house of Kala, Kalakaua. Bless you. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Lelahoku, the second of house Kalakaua. There, there we go. go. That sounds better. It does. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. Written by the Gershwins for a movie rather than the stage. Uh, featured in Shall We Dance, uh, which at the time, it, the song wasn't a commentary on the difference between regional dialects, as it's kind of taken now, but is rather about class distinction mm. and a more refined way of talking. Makes sense. Uh, oh, Lady Be Good, another Ger- Gershwin tune from the musical Lady Be Good about a down on their luck brother and sister, uh, which featured real life brother and sister, Fred Nadella Stare. Very nice. The William Tell Overture uh, from the French opera William Tell or Guillaume Tell. <laughs> it's often associated with horse riding or chases, and that's mostly due to the fact that it was the theme song for The Lone Ranger for both radio and television for years that's and years. Right. And then the final number, A Bird in a Gilded Cage by Arthur Lamb and Harry Voltilzer, Von Tilzer. Uh, Von Tilzer wasn't sold on the song at first, but then while he was working on the melody uh, on a piano at a pub at a pub, women listening started crying hmm. and he was like, this is a hit. <laughs> you make people cry. And it sold it, sold him on it. That's funny. <laughs> Dermot, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? So even though it was kind of cringy and they didn't seem like they were had their shit down, I think I really liked the look and the appearance and the idea of the gladiator scene um, because there was a lot of set that was really cool. And yeah, there was, it was absolutely a, the idea was sound to do that with um, Rocky Balboa, but then it just didn't kind of ex- wasn't executed very well, but I think it would have taken a lot to choreograph and rehearse and stuff. And so I, I like that one. I gave it to the big lion too. Oh, cool. Cause the big lion seemed to kind of get what they were doing and really tried to sell it. Yeah, they did the best they could. It wasn't great, but they really <laughs> tried to sell it. <laughs> That's, that's fair. So, Jerome, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series? This week, we have Elan of Troyes. Um, and we have the Enterprise being sent to a planet Elos to pick up Elan, the dolmen or princess of sorts. And accompanying them is the ambassador of the nearby planet, Troyes. And his mission is to train her as they travel back to Troyes so she can learn some manners and become a proper bride to the Troyes leader which will finally bring peace between their two warring planets, uh, which sounds familiar. It's very much like Helen of Troy and the whole thing. And uh, the Elasians or Lazans are very aggressive and warlike people, kind of like Klingons. And Elan is a total asshole when she gets on the ship, basically demanding everyone bow for her and get permission to leave the room. So this is very necessary to train her before she gets there. So as the Enterprise is traveling at a very slow speed, so they have plenty of time to train her, a Klingon ship actually appears and starts to follow them, and it ignores all hails from the Enterprise, but doesn't seem to be aggressive as of yet. And while she's being trained by the Ambassador, Alon stabs him, which sends him to sickbay to recover. So Kirk decides to take over in her training, and he uses a different method of basically treating her like a petulant child, which seems to work better than what the Ambassador was doing. 
And Nurse Chapel then asks the ambassador why the Alasian women are so prized. And he tells her that's because when someone comes into contact with their tears, it acts as a sort of love potion and they fall madly in love with the woman, whoever it is. So Alon then tries to stab Kirk while he's instructing her, but he throws her off off her attack and she says she has no choice but to learn. So she might as well get used to it. This causes her to run to the bathroom and start crying. And wouldn't you know it, Kirk touches one of her tears and falls in love with her. So, meanwhile, one of Elan's bodyguards is apparently in league with the Klingons because he sabotages the Enterprise and then kills himself before he can be interrogated. The Klingons then start to attack the Enterprise, which is when they find out that the sabotage that the Legion guy did wiped out their dilithium crystals. So they have very minimal shields, no weapons, and they can't go to warp to get away from the Klingons. Meanwhile, the Troyes ambassador pleads with Elan to take the ceremonial necklace of his people before they all die by the Klingons, just as a symbol of, you know, committing to her role as the, the new princess and she accepts it and goes to the bridge and once she's there spock figures out that that necklace is actually made of dilithium crystals which apparently is very common on Troyes. they're like average rocks they're everywhere and they're like oh that's why the klingons are interested in this planet in this area because they want some dilithium so scotty takes the rocks from the necklace and replaces the sabotage dilithium crystals and they're able to disable the klingon ship when they have their shields and weapons back they get to Troyes, they send off Alon. And once they're all back in the bridge, apparently Bones has discovered an antidote to the Elasian tears. But Spock tells him that Kirk doesn't need it because he was already in love with the Enterprise. So he could fight off his oh. love for Elaine all on his own, Alon. So there you go. That's Alon of Troyes. What do you think of this episode, Steve? Uh, so some things I like, some things I dislike. Uh, things I liked. I love that the costumes are really over the top. Yeah. Very and then all the guards kind of look like the heat miser. <laughs> What's that? that? old claymation christmas cartoon oh wow i don't think i know that one <laughs> i'm mr white christmas i'm mr snow it's so good uh i like that there was another african-american crew member mm -hmm. for once a red shirt security guy but he was like front and center that was cool yeah um because i know they talk about you know all this multiculturalism but i feel like it's just always background yeah, there's only occasional uh, guest characters like that. There was right, the, right. the black doctor, like professor guy. That guy was great. He was really good. Big that guy, guy was yeah. great. Uh, decent reveal with the dilithium crystals as the jewelry. That was clever. Mm. Um, things I disliked. Uh, why uh, Kirk had a really over the top moment at the beginning, where uh, the the like blue guy is talking to him about a delay, and he goes, "Why? What delay? Be in the board." <laughs> and I was like, wait, what just happened? That was so fast. Yeah, he was very antsy. Uh, I love, we've never, this is something I had a problem with. We've never seen Kirk bend over backwards this way for any other ambassador or species or visitor. And it was strange. They had a few lines of dialogue saying how is this particular agreement was very important to the Federation. But I guess it just, I didn't get it. It just felt very unnatural. That's Maybe that's fair. what I didn't like about it. Uh, and this episode really got so tiresome for me really fast because the biggest conflict is that Alon is throwing fits. <laughs> and why the hell is it the Enterprise's job to solve it? Like, once again, I just didn't understand. Um, it's kind of low stakes, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we we don't know how high the stakes are. Maybe that's their mistake. Right. Like, maybe they'll go to war immediately if this doesn't happen. And it'll destroy the planets and... That could be a big problem, but they didn't really say any of that. Yeah. Um, 
And they keep her, they keep mentioning her almost like magical ability to seduce men. But we only see it with Kirk. Mm -hmm. It just didn't make sense. Well, the guards are obsessed with her. Yeah, true. And they, she said, it's just one of those things where I was just like, what, why? I guess they have to come in contact with her tears. Otherwise, they're not obsessed with her and they think she's just annoying. <laughs> so just as long as you run from the crying woman. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. What a good lesson to learn. <laughs> uh, there was a reference to spanking. Mm-hmm. At one point, I was like, wow, Star Trek, you went there. <laughs> he was going to give her a spanking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This this is lower-ish for me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting. Bottom. I thought it was like an interesting concept and like also a nice reprieve from the typical godlike alien be- beings episodes we always That's see. True. So it's something a little different. It's a diplomatic mission, which is a lot of what Star Trek Next Generation is all about. So that's what we kind of get into later. There's much less punching things and blowing things up um, like right. these episodes. Um, but also didn't like how quickly Al- Alan suddenly switches from hating Kirk to suddenly being in love with him. Like he doesn't have magical tears. So why she suddenly suddenly she's like, I want you to be my husband. Um, you literally have to obey me, but I want you. Yeah. And it would have made a lot more sense if she was just tricking him and getting him to touch her tears so she could have him as her slave. That would have made more sense. But it was just right. kind of odd. But everyone has to fall in love with Kirk. It's like a rule. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wasn't offended by this one, but it's just kind of middle for me as well. Very middling episode. There's worse ones in season three for sure. Certainly. Um, some trivia for this, though. The actress who played Ilan, her name is France Nguyen, is believed to be the first person of Vietnamese descent to appear on American television, which is pretty cool. Um, the story includes elements of both Homer's Iliad, as we mentioned, Helen of Troy, uh, represented by Ilan of Troyes, and William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, uh, the battle between the clever, rational male and the unreasonable temper tantrum throwing female. So that's a big thing. Okay. Uh, Mel Brooks based many of the characteristics of Prince, Princess Vespa in his classic Star Wars booth Spaceballs on Ilan, which is pretty cool. Uh, presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated during the filming of this episode. And wow. France Nguyen, the actress playing Ilan, was a big supporter of Kennedy and had been deeply shocked by the news while shooting her parts as Ilan. Um, and this marks the only time in the series that McCoy actually spoke the line, you're out of your Vulcan mind. Um, because the line was so frequently quoted and parodied throughout pop culture, it was only assumed to have, uh, it was assumed to have spoken multiple times over the series, but it's only this one time. This is it. This is the one, folks. You're out of your Vulcan mind. <laughs> so, yeah. So we got any uh, Trek connection, Muppet connections this time around? Oh, my God. Do I? Oh, boy. One of Stallone's biggest hits was Tango and Cash. In the movie was also actor Mark Alimo. Oh, yeah. And Alimo played several roles in Star Trek, the most notable as Ghoul Dukat. Star Trek DS9. One of the best characters ever. He's terrible, but great. Uh, actress Lori Petty was featured on a Voyager episode, Gravity, uh, as a character named Nos. I don't know if it means anything to you. She was also famously removed from the movie Demolition Man oh. and replaced with Sandra Bullock after not getting along with Sylvester Stallone. I see. There you go. Mark Sandro is a stuntman who performed in Star Trek First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Uh, he was also the stunt double for Sylvester Stallone in over 20 movies. Oh, wow. Including Rocky Four, Tango and Cash, and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> That's a classic. Uh, and both Shatner and Stallone are horse lovers and have been seen chatting it up at various horse shows. Hey, you like horses too? Yes, I do. I love them. 
I love horses. It's cool. Didn't they call you the stallion? Right, but dying stallion. Him and Gary Busey would have great conversations. Why are you so loud, man? So similarities here. These are basically the same episode. Um, both episodes, they have groupies going crazy over the presence of Stallone. Uh, just how anyone touches the tears of Elan go crazy over her. So both feature people romantically fawning. Mm, yes, that's very true. And they, literally the exact same examples. <laughs> and Stallone and the lion are fighting at first, but then become friends just like Kirk and Elan. Okay. Uh, both feature men imploring women to behave well. <laughs> Floyd Zoot and Dr. Teeth perform Oh Lady Be Good, and Kirk tries to civilize Elon. That's very true. Uh, Stallone sings about a bird in a gilded cage, which is exactly what Elon will become on Troyus when she is forced to marry the leader of that planet. Oh, yeah. very true. Yeah, same episode. Dude. Okay. What's that? What's that Transporter noise? malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, so it's the time of the episode where we take one character from one episode and transport them on over to the other episode and vice versa. So what you got for Steve? This week, Muppets to Trek, I'm going to bring over Beauregard just to clean the Enterprise, wandering through the background of scenes, pushing <laughs> buttons that he shouldn't. So he's not replacing anyone. He's just kind of going over there to help just, out. <laughs> he would just be in the back, just, just going to push my mop. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> Um, this button <laughs> from Muppets to Trek, I'll put Stallone would definitely take the place of Elon of Troyes. So Kirk would be hey, powerless. Uh, you know, touch my tears. You know, <laughs> he couldn't resist uh, the Rocky uh, Rambo no. tears. You're so beautiful. <laughs> I uh, want you or whatever, Kirk. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> Trek to Muppets. <laughs> bringing over the blue ambassador to have him handle auto the uh, the automatic entertainer ah. have, have the ambassador trying to sell this robot trying desperately to try to get him to civilize and tell jokes correctly <laughs> i like it uh and from check to muppets uh kirk will take the place of stallone because he would rock all that talk singing that stallone did for his two musical numbers <laughs> i'm sure he would rock it <laughs> bird in a gilded cage <laughs> All right, so I guess that brings us to the end of episode 69 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Roger Miller. And original series episode, Whom the Gods Destroy. So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.